Welcome to Abby Normal Brains, a feel-good podcast following two-time childhood cancer and brain tumor survivor, Abby. I'm your host and survivor, Abby. I'm joined by my mom, artist and caregiver, Jill. Together, we will try to uplift your day while bringing you more information on the world of childhood cancer. On today's show, we will discuss the changes Abby has gone through over the last few years after her bone marrow transplant and what that kind of looks like for her. Also, we will make mention of another one of our organizations that has helped us out, the Peregrine Society of St. Louis, or the St. Louis Peregrine Society. They took us on a wonderful Branson vacation and we will talk more about that in this episode. Don't forget your weekly tarot and joke. Now here's the show. So Abby, I was sitting here thinking about your story of what all you've gone through. We are actually, as of recording this in the month of November, right about the time shortly before you got out of the hospital. Yeah, no, four years ago. I was going to say five years ago, five years from diagnosis. Four years ago, you got out of the hospital and you walked out. I shouldn't even say walked out because you really were kind of not walking that great. You were kind of led out of the hospital differently than what you walked in all those years ago. And for those that don't know all of Abby's story, Abby in 2017 went in in September for a bone marrow transplant. It was supposed to be an auto or autoallogous. I can't say it out loud. I didn't even say that right. I know I didn't. She was supposed to rescue her own self with her own stem cells. And the high dose of chemo actually got to her brain. We know that the there was stroking to the pons of her brain, which caused her not to be able to eat, drink, talk. She had to relearn all of that. She had to relearn how to walk from being in bed the whole time. She's had multiple issues. She had memory issues. And even at this point, we've come to find that, you know, she's had some shrinkage to her brain, some different issues. We know there's memory, you know, the list can go on, on all of these issues. So I would like to know what has been the most difficult thing for you walking into the hospital one way and having to leave in a different way? Um, well, you know, one of the things that, I don't know, it sometimes gets me but also doesn't, I can't remember that time at all, like how I did all that. And it just kind of bothers me that I can't remember it sometimes. And I don't know, sometimes whenever I, days where I'm more down, I'm like, Oh, I used to do this, and I used to be able to do this, but now I can't do this as well, or I can't even do this, or I can try to do this, but I don't know how it will turn out. It will turn out. Okay, so let me address that you made about two good, amazing points there. The first one I want to address is you can't remember that time in the hospital. You, And we always tell you, I will still tell you, it's a great thing that you can't remember all of that. You just have the little bit of blips you do and they were, they're not horrible memories. They're just kind of, I'm sure for you, confusing. In context of us, it makes sense for you. You know, you remember, didn't you say you remember waking up at one point and asking if mom or dad was there or what do you remember? Oh, I was just thinking, I remember, you know, help from videos, like, you know, the relearning stuff, some of that. And then um, I remember, yeah, like, I was laying in bed and I thought it was ho- I was at home and I asked one of you guys like, 
are we home? And you said, no, we're still at the hospital, but we're here watching you still, you know, make sure you're doing okay. Exactly, exactly that. So you actually were not aware. You were not, I mean, you were conscious, but you were not cognitively aware. As the neurologist put it, your brain kind of went into a safe mode. Like our computers, when there's a virus or a bug or something's attacking it, and it goes into safe mode and only lets so many programs run, like the basics, like breathing, eating, blinking. But it's not going to let all of it run because it doesn't want to lose all of your good, good files in there. And as you have found from recovering, more and more files are still being recovered even to this day, aren't they? Oh yeah, like, I say like, Oh, I remember this. Is this a real thing that happened in our life? And you're like, yeah, we did this and all this. And yeah, I can't believe you remember that. Exactly. And so that's the thing is, you know, that's why I'm surprised. Because you were literally in an infantile state. And when I say that, like the way you looked at us, you looked at like how a baby looks at you, like confused and like, who are you? But also I know your face or I, I know there's something with you. You would only grunt or uh 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 that's about like that's how you would communicate you were in a lot of pain to the point that at one point we did have to put a dilated cad on you which is basically some of the most powerful stuff because you were in so much pain you had a very bad infection of mucositis out the bottom end you did not you don't want to remember how much pain you were in because I would almost cry every time I knew you were going to the bathroom and I knew every time you were going to the bathroom by the amount of pain you were in just trying to urinate or defecate. So it's a good thing that you don't remember a lot of it because it was not a good time in your life. Yeah, I'm making a face right now. That does not sound good. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I don't remember that part. That's just, um, I don't like that and make me feel uncomfortable right now. Absolutely. and. You got so sick to the point that, you know, we did almost lose you. They had to give you two epinephrine shots to restart your blood pressure, restart everything going in your body because that's how dire. They, it put, they literally pushed your body to the edge. And I wish they would have told us that better when we were going into transplant. It's nothing we can go back and undo. But now we know to warn other parents to ask your oncologists all of the questions. And even if you feel like they're not being forthright, then them and tell them you don't feel they're being forthright because it's better to find out before than being in the middle of it and they're going oh yeah we expected this oh yeah we expected this well excuse me ma'am but her as her parents we did not expect this and you guys did a horrible job informing us sorry that was my little rant mm, it's okay i mean i understand that like afterwards it's like okay um I didn't know that would happen. What? All that happened to me? And I didn't even know that was going to happen. I thought it was just going to be normal, ordinary, like, you know, before with the chemo. But no! Well, that's all we were ever told is that, oh, it, it's, it's expected. It's normal. This is routine. We know what we're doing. Da, 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 da. And we had nothing to worry about. We thought you were going in for a nice long stay to have, I meaning you would feel really bad during the middle, but you wouldn't, nothing like what happened. And I mean... I know a lot of nurses and doctors on the floor were devastated with what happened to you because it was so unexpected. But also, it's a good thing you don't remember a lot of it. But at the same time, that's why I documented everything. There's so many pictures on your Team Abby Normal page. I recorded your bone marrow transplant. I did everything I could because something told me that I was going to have to retell you this story on the other side. You weren't going to remember any of this, which was okay by me, but... It was not fun having to live through it and 
honestly, if, I, if I'm being honest, that time frame in life is probably one of the biggest things that have messed with my head aside from my childhood traumas. Oh, dang. You know, you're talking about that right now. I just had a memory of the hospital, of the stuff you put on my walls and, you know, how you decorated my room so great. And it's like, you know, always had great stuff on the walls. That's exact. Well, you as you started to be in PICU for a longer term, you know, you ended up being in there for 34 days. And that's really unheard of for pediatric intensive care unit. You know, you're either in and out with either really bad emergency or moving back to another floor or it's not good. And you ended up, like, you became a resident. They said they, they had, a, like, one other person on the floor, I think, at the time that was kind of a resident like you were. So I figured, well, if you were going to be here, maybe the quickest way to get you out of here is to try to make it look like home. And so I had some window markers or child life lady had given us, and I just started drawing all over your windows and coloring. And then I got the idea to go down to the printer at the uh, computer and just start printing off all these pictures from my phone and just hanging your whole family around you. So every time you opened your eyes, you could see us and you could see beauty and you could just be comforted and think like, you know, this is, that's why I think that's partially why you were confused if you were at home or not, because mom tried to make it feel like home for you. Yeah, you're making me smile. I'm like, yeah, I can feel happy inside too. And I'm like, yeah, exactly that. You're just so great. For myself, drawing on those windows in that moment, that's when I realized this is what I want to do is art. I want to draw. I want to, I mean, ultimately one of my big goals would be I would love to, and COVID has put a big old, we need to see how life's going to be after, but I would love to get to the children's hospitals and draw on other children's windows, you know, let them have something pretty to look at while they're stuck impatient like you've been many times. I love that idea. That is so kind. I'm just excited about that when we can do that. I I agree. I think that would definitely, I, I, it's still something I want to revisit at some point. It's just got to get different ducks in rows. Now, the second point I want to address with what you said is that you get upset because you can't do stuff or you can't do stuff the same now. What is something that you can't do anymore that really makes you upset? Is there something that particularly that stands out that you can no longer do? You're literally just like, I mean, you've had to get used to not being able to do it, but it's something that you're like, I really wish that I could do that. I say sometimes, I mean, it's not a biggie, but sometimes hear the same, because, you know, sometimes I can't hear the same things I used to that I was like, oh, that'd be cool to hear, but, you know, I can't, and you guys are like, whoa, and I didn't hear it because, you know, my hearing has changed. I 100% understand, and I always, this is one of the things I do feel bad about for you a lot, and there's not one thing I can do to change it other than just feel bad about it. I mean, get you better hearing aids, keep taking you to your appointments like we do. But the chemo has ruined your hearing in your left ear. You can't hear everything the way you normally could. Plus, you have that tinnitus, that ringing in your ear. So things, I'm sure, do sound a lot different than what they did before. And with us being a big music family, and we've always been a big music family, it's the same kind of challenge I feel like I have with your father being colorblind and me being an artist that loves color. It's a family that loves music, and we have a child that is partially deaf. So how do you adapt those worlds so that it's enjoyable for everyone? And again, it points out to the big privilege that those of us have that don't have hearing or visual or, you know, any other disability problems that like we really take that for granted unless it gets taken away. And we don't even we don't even know it. We don't even know, you know, like I know what you're referencing is talk about our favorite band, Coheed and Cambria. They are very intricate with their songs. Like the musical 
composition that Claudio Sanchez puts into these songs and the talent of Josh Eppard and Travis Stever and Zach, just there, you can listen to the same song 10, 20, 30 times and still hear something new. I mean, even years later, there'll be things that I find like, I didn't hear this before. And then I'll try to play it for you multiple times and you just can't quite pin that because it's something so small in the back of the music. I wish there was a way that I could fix that for you and there's not. Yeah, thank you. Like, you know, you're really sweet and you know how I've been listening to music in my ears I have on my phone and I could hear some of the stuff in the background that's going on. Like, I've heard things and I've listened to music recently and you're like, oh wow, there's that part there. I didn't hear that before, which that kind of helps too. So what you're saying is these new hearing aids that you can listen directly in your ears it's actually helping with hearing these little intricacies better. So maybe in those instances, you know, you should definitely listen to your favorite songs in your ears. Now for me, what I question is, you know, trying to get you to a concert because I know you're wanting to go to a concert so bad. And I keep wondering, you know, if you walking or wheelchair or how we're going to get into the venue, things aside, I wonder, will it cause havoc on your hearing aids? Would it be better for you to listen without your hearing aids? Would it be better to listen with your hearing aids? Do we leave the left in, take the right? There's so many weird questions that have come into our life because you can't do things the same as you could before. Like even not like I'm going to move away from hearing just a little bit, but even like walking or trying to go places like we know you can't walk all the way through, say hypothetically, like like Six Flags or Disney. You cannot walk through that whole park. You need to sit in the wheelchair. Now you can get out of the wheelchair. You can walk onto the ride. You can do that kind of stuff, but you can't walk long distances. You can't plan on going for a hike in the woods. You can't plan on those types of things. Can you? No, I can't. Or, like, say a huge, long thing of stairs, too. I have to, like, take a ramp or elevator and wheelchair, too. That reminds me of, like, one of the things I really wish I could take you to now. And now it's basically an impossibility, which is Cahokia Mounds. And for those that don't know, we live near Cahokia Mounds, which is a huge former Indian or Native American, sorry, uh, city that... They're, they basically say it was the Midwest complex at one point, and now it's been reduced to just mounds, burial mounds, memorial mounds. And I, I like, I just love going to that place just to learn about the history and the heritage of this area. And there's this one mound that is, I, I can't even tell you how tall it is. It's called Monk's Mound, and it's got, I know we counted them with one of the kids whenever I went up the stairs, but it, it's, it's, is it a hundred and some? Is it 50 some? I can't. It's got a ton of stairs to get up to it and zero accessible way for you to get up there otherwise because it's an outdoor feature, obviously, which is great. But that's where me as an able-bodied person, I have been trying to not aside from planning what Abby can do is looking at all the things in our world that aren't set up for everyone to enjoy. And that's where my brain keeps trying to think, how do we make things so everyone can enjoy them? Aw, thank you again. You're really sweet still. And I guess to say that, I know you're upset that you can't do things the same, but that's where, you know, you still have people like me. People, and I'm not the only one that sit here and think, we understand that you can't do it the same, but what can we do to try to make it as close to what you want to do? Aww. I mean, yeah, you have lost a lot. A lot has changed. You've gained a lot, though, too. And so I, you know, like I said, I was just curious, what's the biggest thing that the biggest changes that you've had to kind of get used to? I was really angry at my friend Mark for stealing my dictionary. I told him, Mark, my words. (laughs) 
Abby, do you remember that time the Peregrine Society took our family to Branson? I do. It was really fun. The Peregrine Society, if you hadn't heard of them, are based in St. Louis, and they actually provide rides and different services for cancer patients. And we actually hadn't heard of them until after Abby's things were done, but by that point, they also do a yearly Branson trip with cancer families. I believe they're childhood cancer families, all of them. Yeah, I think they were. And they take them to Branson for a fun weekend. And I cannot even say enough of how much of a wonderful break that was that it makes us even want to go back to Branson now. I know. I remember as soon as we were done or even still going through, I'm like, we got to go back here. Oh, absolutely. So basically, one of our other organizations, his kids had informed us of the Peregrine Society and their trip and asked us if we wanted to fill out the form. And we did. And we were chosen. We were very excited to get to do this. What was cool was that they actually happened to Nick and Jamie from his kids were on this trip with us, which was nice to have some friends. And then some of our other brain tumor friends were on the trip with us. And we even made new friends on that trip, which is one of our great friends we talk to even to this day. I that That's why these trips are great too, because it helps us connect to people that understand. But either way, we it was bright and early. We had to meet for a bus. We all climbed on this bus half asleep. I remember that. Like, I was so tired. We had to get up so early. I was like... I swear we I had can... to be there almost like six o'clock in the morning or something like that. That's why I was in like six or seven. Like, I was seriously thinking it was early it, for our family for sure and then uh we got on the bus and we actually had movies playing and then we stopped at it was like a winery where they had like you try a little bit of wine some cheese some snacks and stuff and go for a little stretch break i remember that like you know they had a little wine like you know kind of shot glasses or the little cups to just like have a taste of it and you know stuff to yep. do and it was pretty good from what i remember i think i only had just a little taste then we got went further down the road and we stopped in Springfield, Missouri at the Golden Corral. And who doesn't love Golden Corral? I just think as soon as I say Golden Corral, I think of their rolls for some reason. The buttery, glazed, fluffy, yummy rolls. Yeah, I just thought the whole buffet thing and like, you know, the good stuff in the buffet, like, and it's like, you love, you love mac and cheese at every buffet. I know. That's what I was thinking. Seriously. (laughs) And I know you were thinking mac and cheese. (laughs) And then we went going or went further down the road and got to our hotel, the Grand Oaks Hotel. Our family will be definitely going back there. They are amazing. So if you are ever looking for a hotel in Branson, please go to the Grand Oaks Hotel because... They're a family-run business, and they take care of you and your family. I mean, we actually were going to have another trip in recent times and had to cancel it, but we're going to definitely be going back there soon because the service is great. For, for a hotel, they meet all of your amenities. It's very clean. It's very professional. Great breakfast. And then I know I don't remember the exact order of everything, but I know we had that Dixie Stampede dinner with all of our friends. That was the first time we went to Dixie Stampede. We want to go back to Dixie Stampede. My brain is like... <laughs> yes, I get it. Like the things we want to go back to is like, we went there. Oh, wait, we want to go back. Yeah, that's right. I want to go back. We only been there once. I want to go twice now. <laughs> If you've never been to Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede, what a fun show with food again that you eat with your hands. And oh, I just keep thinking of the chicken. I've made that soup from there. I've turned that into a home recipe. The vegetable soup. It is so good. Oh. Yes, I remember like it's got a nice creamy broth and, and then no vegetables in it. And it's like, It makes me want that now with some cheddar biscuits. Mm. Anyway, moving on from food. So 
then the next night, or not, I think the next day we went to Silver Dollar City all day, and that was so much fun. I I could have stayed at the glass blowing hut for hours. I know, I remember that place, and it was so fun. Like, it was so cool to watch them make glass beads, and it was so cool. And glass balls, and they were giving you, uh, or glass ornament balls is what I meant. And then they were giving, like, tutorials on how they were doing it, and you could just look at their beautiful work in the shops, and, uh, I'm obsessed with glass work. I need to really get my torch back out, is what I need to do. Exactly, it was so cool watching all the stuff they made and making them, like, you know, like, faces and cool bowls and all different kinds of stuff. It was like, whoa, look at that one! It was amazing to watch them work with the molten glass, and then going to all the different places. I will say my only complaint about Silver Dollar City is having a disabled child that needs a wheelchair to walk distances and the amount of hills. Do you remember that? I remember that. I was thinking that. I remember poor daddy is trying to push me up the hill. I, I, your dad. Oh my gosh. This boy. I was trying to like take turns with him. But he's like, I got it. I got it. I mean, he's, oh my. And some of those hills were steep. Like, whoo. But he did it. You did. We did. We had a great time. But I don't think we really rode any rides or like maybe one. We just weren't in for rides. We were more interested in like the food and looking at all the cool different shops and the woodworkings. And I just, I want to go back there. Like, like is Silver Dollar City hiring? Can I go work at Silver Dollar City? Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> go there all the time, watch my mom work. Like, my mom's doing that. I'm like, <laughs> Also, is is the pay going to be worth moving six people to Silver Dollar City, though? (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Then we went to Junie B. Goods, old time or 50s diner, or I can't remember the full name, but had some diner food and a band that played live while we were eating our dinner. And that was a lot of fun. We got to talk with the other families and hang out and just, and, you know, we got to talk with Shari, who was actually in charge of the trip and did an amazing job putting all of this together for all of these families. I want to say it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 families and each were different sizes. Like ours was a family of six. So we had two, two tour buses full of people, but she wrangled us like a champ. That's crazy. I can't remember that exactly, but yeah, I know. She, like, there's people that can really, like, take all that and, like, go, whoo, we got this. So, I mean, if you ever, if if things ever get to where we're doing trips again, if you ever get the opportunity to go on the Peregrine Society Branson trip, or if you ever get the opportunity to donate to the Peregrine Society, we highly recommend it because they give such a fun, wonderful family experience that cancer families need just to take a break from life for a minute. I definitely agree with that. Like, you definitely should donate to them or do anything you can for them because it was really fun. I agree. So, again, it's the Peregrine Society in St. Louis. Hey all, the Psychotic Psychic here. Either I'm right or I'm crazy with your 13th card tarot reading. That is where we take the 13th card of an unshuffled tarot deck, the Goddess Tarot deck, and give you your weekly outlook on what to expect. For today's card, we have drawn the Prince of Pentacles or Prince of Money. And what that means is business ideas, deals, mail, or messages, bringing opportunities for expansion, money on the way. And I've noticed like in our past tarot readings, we've had a theme of waiting, waiting for this thing to happen, waiting for change, waiting for news. And I think that this prince is basically saying it's coming. It's it's here. You will receive word. You will receive money. You are going to have your deals, your opportunities, the things you've been working for. They're going to start now. And I've also drawn the 
14th card to kind of go into a deeper clarification of this reading. And we have drawn the Five of Cups. This is disappointment with intimate relationships, disillusionment, sadness, concentrating on problems instead of assets, a desire to move on. And could it be that you are so wrapped up into your business dealings that your private life or your personal life is starting to fail? Is there a way that you can integrate both your business and your private life so that you can have satisfaction on both levels? To continue to keep growing, quit concentrating on the problems. Look at the solutions, keep moving on, keep moving forward because dwelling on problems will get you nowhere. And this has been your Psychotic Psychic with your 13th card tarot reading. We really are blessed to know the Peregrine Society and everything that they've done for our family just for a wonderful vacation and wonderful time was absolutely great. I agree. It was really fun. I loved it. You know, as I was looking up information for about Peregrine Society for this podcast, did you know they actually formed in 1948? That's how long the society has been doing things to try to make and improve the quality of life for cancer patients. So I would say they're doing a pretty good job, wouldn't you? I would. That is crazy, though. 1948? So if anybody would like more information about the St. Louis Peregrine Society, you can go to their website, peregrinesoc.org. That's peregrine, P-E-R-E-G-R-I-N-E-S-O-C dot org. As you can see, changes happen with anybody that goes through cancer, chemo, transplants, things like that. Abby's will be the first to tell you of all of the changes she's had to navigate. But the biggest takeaway is, is that you have found a way to adapt to all these changes, haven't you? Yes, I have. I think that honestly, through everything you've been through, you are, and that is what makes you the most impressive girl, that you can handle these changes and keep being a positive light and showing us all how to do better. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Abby Noel Brains. Have a great day.